I'm Dr. Janelle Anderson, former college professor turned manager in a large corporation turned entrepreneur. And not just any entrepreneur. I've made it my life's work to make organizational life more effective and fulfilling. So welcome to Working Conversations, the podcast where we digest and translate research and ideas on workplace dynamics and serve up to you the most interesting and actionable strategies to make your workplace conversations and your relationships more effective, productive, and influential. If you're looking for proven tools for your workplace toolbox, you're in the right place. Now, let's get after it. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Working Conversations podcast, where we talk all things leadership, business communication, and trends in organizational life. I'm your host, Dr. Janelle Anderson, and I am so extra specially excited to have you along on this episode This is a very, very special episode. This is episode number 50. I have been at this for just a little over a year. A full 50 episodes have come your way since February of last year. And so I'm super excited to have chosen a very special topic to share with you. This, in fact, might be the most personal thing that I have shared, and it has such relevant applicability to your life, and that is why I'm sharing it. I am going to share this episode, which is all about predicting your own future or bringing something into existence that didn't exist before by sharing how that's happened in my life. Now, I have to give you a little bit of story, a little bit of background to tee this whole thing up. Last February, so a little over a year ago, my brother sent me a letter. My oldest brother sent me a letter in the mail an actual bona fide letter in the mail. And it contained letters that I had sent to him decades ago, absolutely decades ago. Now, he and I will both admit, uh, as will my other brother, I'm pretty sure, that we have a bit of a hoarder tendency (laughs) that runs in our family. We keep things for a long time. Well, my oldest brother had moved about a year prior, and in the slow unpacking that often happens after you move, especially with things, personal effects like letters and such, he was just getting around to opening up some of the boxes that had letters and found himself in the midst of the pandemic with plenty of time to read some old letters. And so he found some old letters that I had written and he sent them to me with a very special message, a letter, cover letter, if you will, connecting the dots of why it was important to send me these letters. And I'm going to share some of the parts of the letters today. In the first letter, where he is sending a letter to me. First off, he waxes philosophical about the nature of letter writing and the lost art that it has become. And he goes into the setting in which he is currently positioned as he's writing this letter to me and the music that he's listening to, the weather, where he's sitting in his house and so forth. And just really paints this very rich picture for me of what his actual experience was in the moment. Now that in and of itself, as well as him waxing philosophical about letter writing is just beautiful right there. But he eventually at the bottom of page three gets around to what he says is the point of his letter. And here I'm going to quote from his, his letter. He says, so here we are at the point of this letter. I've been going through a box of letters that I saved for low these many decades, and I found archival material that provides some detail of your origin story. 
If I may provide my interpretation, I quite enjoy that as a high school student at Governor Scholars Program, you didn't identify the three, but rather the four faults in the programming. (laughs) And then he goes on to detail how I'm at this program which was called the Minnesota Governor's Scholar Program, which was put together and uh, in the 1980s. And a student from I most of all the schools in Minnesota, I'm not sure how many schools were represented, uh, was chosen to come to the University of Minnesota for a week-long summer program and really get immersed in some creative thinking exercises and a whole bunch of other things. And so he goes on to detail, and I then take from my letter the critique of the program itself. Now, I also go on and say many, many wonderful things about that program. But first, I have to tell you, this letter that I wrote to him is dated August 7th, 1987. 1987. And so here I am in this letter, and I say to him, and I quote, I am at the University of Minnesota for the Governor's Scholar Program. It's really crazy because it's not even like a metro area. We're basically across the street from the state fairgrounds, and we're in the agricultural sciences area, barns and shit, end quote. Here is just an absolutely hysterical thing. When I was on the faculty at the University of Minnesota, Decades later, guess where my department was housed? On that same St. Paul campus across from the, quote, barns and shit, end quote. The uh, Agricultural Food and Environmental Sciences College was the college where the department that I used to teach in was then housed. It has since moved into the College of Liberal Arts over on the Minneapolis campus of the Twin Cities campus here at the University of Minnesota. But first of all, absolutely hysterical that that's where I went to like a summer camp and then many, many years later became on the faculty there. Here's another really fascinating part of the letter. So let me read another part of the letter. A little bit later on, I say the greatest part of the program so far besides the learning part is that there's a girl here that I went to Washington, D.C. with in June. We really clicked on that Washington, D.C. trip, and we both seemed to think that we'd met before. Now, we've decided that we actually had not ever met before June, but we were instead reading into the past of our future. (laughs) End quote. You guys, I wrote this when I was 17. I'm reading into the future with this other... (laughs) 17-year-old that we have known each other in the future and in the past. I'm not even sure exactly entirely what I meant by that. Um, but And I go on to say how neither one of us had roommates that we were exceptionally drawn to, and so she and I were spending a bunch of time together. What a hoot. So I go on then, as my brother says, to detail what I think is wrong. I did say many, many things that were right about this program, but I go on to detail what is wrong about the program, which I find to actually be very telling, as did my brother, in terms of my origin story and where my career development went from there. Uh, So I had four major critiques of my experience there as it related to programming. Uh, The first one is that the speakers had too much of a lecture style and not enough discussion and interaction (laughs) with those of us who were participants in the program. Uh, They were coming at us straight from the stage with lecture material. Uh, Number two, only about half of the speakers were interesting. Uh, The rest of them were boring, but the very best among them was a communication professor. So go figure. Then I go on to become a communication professor. Uh, Critique number three, the MC is not skilled in being an MC. The MC talks too much and summarizes exactly what 
the previous speaker said, and apparently this MC went on, according to my records here in this letter, the MC went on for about 20 minutes summarizing what the previous speaker had said, but trying to sound really smart as he did that. And it was incredibly annoying to me as a 17-year-old. And then uh, my critique number four was that the audience analysis was off. Many of the speakers were speaking to us as if we were a corporate audience as opposed to a bunch of teenagers. And so I was a little frustrated by that. So that's the first letter. Again, I'm predicting my future. I'm obviously inspired by the communication faculty member who was so uh, dynamic and interesting and engaging. I was frustrated by a strictly lecture format and I wanted more engagement <laughs> across the group. I try to think of myself as an instructor, both when I was a college professor as well as now in my in my business working conversations where I do a lot of corporate training, that I like to make it very interactive and have a lot of engagement in it. So just a hoot that these many decades ago, I was already imagining this. All right, let me jump back to my brother's letter where he says, quote, at the cusp of your junior year of college as an undergraduate. And my favorite line is, quote, I want to get paid to talk, <laughs> end quote. And, and let me read from that letter uh, what, I was, uh, what I was talking about at that point. I said, quote, here I am ready to start my junior year of college, and I still feel really unfocused about my future career decisions that are looming on the not so far away horizon. I want to do everything or nothing. Some days I just want to play. And actually, this week, I think I want to be a college professor or a president of the country or read the nightly news on television. Please reassure me that this is okay, wanting all of these things. I don't want to go to grad school, at least not yet. Maybe after working for a couple of years. Who knows? Of course, as an aside, I did go on to grad school after working for a couple of years which again, I also find hysterical. Uh, back to the letter. Quote, I love to write. I love to talk. I want to get paid to talk. Maybe I'll do comedy. My friends all laugh at the stories I tell. I guess that's a lot like politics. <laughs> End quote. So, uh, but the line that he calls out is, I want to get paid to talk. And of course, what happens now? I get paid to talk. I mean, obviously I don't get just paid to talk. I get paid to share my expertise with audiences who can take the content that I'm sharing and put it into action in their own organizations and their own lives. But I find this just incredibly meaningful that he keeps these letters all these years, and then he sends these letters to me packaged in their own cover letter. Uh, honestly, it is one of my favorite gifts of all time. Uh, I'm not sure if it was sent in the spirit of being a gift, but that is absolutely how it is received. This episode is made possible by Instacart. If you haven't already started using Instacart, now is the time, my friend. Now, I'm the first one to say that I actually enjoy a trip to the grocery store. I really do. But you know what I like doing even better? Making this podcast. When I was deep in the development of this podcast, outlining and recording the first few episodes, my kids reminded me that they needed to eat. Instacart to the rescue. In absolutely record time, Magnolia, my Instacart shopper that day, delivered chicken nuggets, milk, avocados, fresh berries, and a host of other groceries we needed. When life gets busy, or when you just want to feel like royalty and have someone do it for you, there's Instacart. Get $10 off your first order when you sign up at workingconversations.com forward slash Instacart. Now, back to the show. 
I basically predicted my future in those letters. And if you haven't already listened to episode one of this podcast, where I tell my career story and I explain the importance of having a career story and being able to tell it and tell it well, you're going to want to go back to episode one and listen to that episode. And if it's been a while, maybe over a year for you, if you've been with me since the beginning, you might want to go back and re-listen anyway. But again, that first letter was written to me, uh, was written (laughs) to my brother in the summer of 1987. And then that second letter was written in the summer of 1990. So three years later, Again, these letters are just huge gifts to me to get them back these many years later and see how I was predicting my own future. I like to think of it as future casting, telling the future, forecasting the future in the present day. And I want to boil down for you how you can make this work for yourself. Now, you might not have a brother that has hoarder tendencies that run in the family like I do, who's going to send you letters that you wrote him decades and decades ago. But I am certain that the success that you have experienced already in your life was predicated on something. I deeply believe that you have had visions, dreams, maybe night dreams, maybe very lucid daydreams in which you shaped the future that you are now living. Now you can do these by accident. In fact, many of us have. I don't think I was intentionally predicting my future back in 1987 or 1990 when I wrote those letters. But now I do a practice that is very similar to this on purpose. And you can do this on purpose too. One of my mentors, Dr. Martha Beck, calls it Prememberering, like remembering something, but in your future, something that hasn't happened yet, but you are remembering it as if it had already happened. And she calls it prememberering. Napoleon Hill calls it the power of auto suggestion. And in his book, Think and Grow Rich, Hill says, quote, thought backed by strong desire has a tendency to transmute itself into its physical equivalent. So when we think things, especially when they are accompanied by strong desire, we have a tendency to actually make them real and make them happen in our lives. Jack Canfield tells a powerful story in his book, The Success Principles, of opening boxes after he had moved into a new house. In fact, it was his dream house. And he opens a specific box containing a vision board that he had made many, many years ago. In fact, I think he had boxed it up prior to in the, you know, the prior move before the move to the current house. So he's going through some very old boxes. And in that box, he, again, he had found this vision board that he had made many, many, many years earlier. Now, if you're not familiar with a vision board, it is uh, where you cut out pictures, make drawings, or find other visualizations of things that you desire. And then you put them all on a piece of paper or a piece of tag board in the old days, or now these days as an electronic document or a Pinterest board. And then you review them either daily or on some regular interval to remind you of the things that you desire. So here's Jack Canfield after having moved into his dream home, and he opens up this box that actually contains a vision board of the very actual specific house that he had just moved into, and he's absolutely floored. Jack Canfield's 
vision was so effective, his vision board was so effective that he came up with the exact house that he would someday buy in the future based on like clipping out a picture out of a real estate ad for a different time earlier when that house had been on the market. Now, if you want to take this and take this on and do it on purpose, here are some guidelines. I've got three steps for you, just the quick step-by-step how-to. Step number one, write it down. Write a paragraph of you having what it is you desire, whether that's material things, whether that is a new house, whether that is a different job, a different level of responsibility, uh, certain family outcomes, write it down and date it in the future, but write it in the present tense as if it is happening now or it has just happened. So it might be a year from now and you're going to say, it is March 14th. 2023, and I have just, and then you fill in the blanks about what it is you've accomplished or created or manifested in your life. So write it down, date it in the future, write it in the present tense as if it is happening or has just happened. Step two, read it regularly. Napoleon Hill recommends in his book that you read it first thing upon waking and last thing before going to sleep. And number three, Put some vivid visualization with it. Imagine yourself in the desired future state in high fidelity. Maybe even make a vision board like Jack Canfield if you are crafty or if you like to do Pinterest. And when you let your unconscious mind work on it, your brain gets busy trying to reconcile the discrepancy of the current state of affairs and what you keep telling it in this future state written in the present tense. And that gets you into action in ways that you would not otherwise be. Now, before we go, let me give you one other example from my life. This is a more recent example, but it was still some time ago. In fact, it was around 11 years ago. And the thing that I was writing, the thing that I wanted to create, the future state I wanted to create was becoming a member of the National Speakers Association, which is the premier professional association for professional speakers. And at that time, and then the association has changed a bit since then, but at that time there were very, very strict requirements on membership and you had to meet certain criteria. In fact, there was a ton of paperwork that had to be filled out where I had to document the number, a certain number of speeches that I had given, the dates, the size of the audience, the contract that went along with that, how much I had been paid, uh, whether either proof of that through a contract or through a copy of a check. Remember when we got checks and when we kept copies of them? Okay, I'm dating myself here, but you get the idea. There was a lot of paperwork that went along with this. And I was heads down wanting to finish this. And in fact, the thing that I had written down, my future state was, it is August 31st. And I have just received notification from the National Speakers Association that I have been accepted as a professional member. So that's what I was writing down. In fact, I was writing it down on the daily to keep it very present and in the forefront of my mind and my actions as I toiled away at all of the paperwork that went along with meeting those qualifications or proving those qualifications and getting them sent in. Now, it was late spring, somewhere between late spring and early summer. I don't remember the exact date. But I was getting close to finished. I think I had maybe five entries left to fill out on the proof of speeches. So the date of the speech, the topic of the speech, the audience I gave it to, the contract that went along with it, how much I got paid for it, and all the rest. 
And I got interrupted from for something. I think it was something parenting related. I think a kid was sick at school or something and I had to kind of like drop everything. I remember very distinctly saving the file and thinking, when will be the next time I get back to this? Because I had speaking engagements coming up the next couple of days. I thought, when will I be able to get back to this? I don't know, but it will be next week at the latest. So the following week comes along and I find some time in my schedule and I say, okay, I'm going to go finish that paperwork. Well, I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, I opened up that document on my computer and it was complete. Those final five entries were in there. The document was completely done. Now, I don't know if it was the little, you know, Excel fairies who came in the middle of the night one night and filled out the rest of that document for me. I do not remember filling out those last five entries, but the document was complete. I was able to send it in. And in fact, it was not August 31st, when I found out that I was accepted into the National Speakers Association as a professional member, it was actually August 8th of that year that I found out. And that was about 11 years ago. So it's just kind of fun to remember that and retell that story. But I have pieces of paper in files and all over the place where I wrote down, it is August 31st, and I have just received notification from the National Speakers Association that I have been accepted as a member. So this is the power of whether you want to call it pre-membering like Martha Beck does, or whether you want to call it the power of auto-suggestion like Napoleon Hill does, or I call it future casting. You're making a forecast of the future, but it is very definite and very specific, and it is tied to outcomes, again, written in the present tense or the immediate past tense as if whatever it is that you have created has already happened. So that is what I have for you today on this very special episode, episode number 50. I hope that you are able to use these three steps and future cast or pre-member or auto suggest for yourself to create the things that you most desire in your work life, in your personal life, in your community, and in anything that you may desire. That is my wish for you. Thank you for sticking with me for 50 episodes for those of you who've been around from the beginning, and I will look forward to the next 50 and the 50 after that and the 50 after that. All right, until episode 51, my friends, be well. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you're hearing on the podcast, head on over to Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts and give us five stars and a quick review. It really makes a difference and it keeps us bringing you valuable content that you can put into play in your life. I'm Dr. Janelle Anderson, and this is Working Conversations.